going on guys welcome back welcome back welcome back welcome back welcome back to the lions blog podcast it has been a hot minute since we've recorded an episode on this podcast really excited to uh, just be back in front of the mic talking some orlando city specifically uh here to do that with me tonight is my good friend adam adam how you doing oh we're doing uh Okay, I guess, you know, it's been the state of Orlando City has been better, has been worse. Uh, But, you know, happy to be back talking about the Lions with you and, you know, recording. We have have a saying on the Lions blog podcast, always be Corden, because if you should be anybody, it should be James Corden. But we haven't been Corden for the past few months and and we missed y'all. So, so welcome back to us. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We have been very busy in our personal lives. I've been busy. Adam, you've been extremely busy. You've been moving house and still working and living life. Life is very busy as is. Uh, Chase has been real busy. Daniel uh, has been really busy in his personal life as well. So really, really hard to get the group together uh, to talk some Orlando City, especially when for, I'll be honest, Adam, a a decently long stretch of the season, I didn't feel there was anything more I could possibly say on our style of soccer, right? We had that period where all everyone was ready for Oscar Pereira to leave, or at least, you know, a solid 35 to 50% of the fan base was ready for Oscar to go. We weren't playing fun to watch soccer and we weren't getting results we've we had been talking about that on this podcast for well over a year year and a half and so i was just what more was there to say it was was part of the reason why i couldn't get the urge to fit in time to uh podcast about it were you feeling kind of the same way at that time a little bit i i feel like it was the, particularly our style of play was discussed ad nauseum in all the spaces in which Orlando City discussion happens and kind of our sphere of the people we know, you know, on Twitter, and, you know, in the DMs and all that. Everyone was always defense is solid, but we can't score goals and why can't we score goals and it doesn't look that good and blah, 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 blah. There's only so many times you can say that and, you know, discussing the merits of Oscar Preha and, you know, everyone loves him as a person and he did bring us our first uh, trophy in the MLS era, but then, you know, how long can you go without results and all that? And then, you know, luckily for everyone, he did, he did turn around with a, in no small part, uh, help from Duncan McGuire. Yeah. Duncan's really been the story of the season. Hasn't he? Uh, He's up to 10 goals now, correct? I think I he's up to so. ten, 10 goals in all meaningful comps. Yeah, 10 goals and two assists, I think, for, for Duncan. He's been lights out the best rookie this season. He's easily won the starting job, and it's been really enjoyable to watch him play. Uh, just another striker. Somehow, someway, another striker. Uh, has been found at Orlando City. We're we're on uh, to number three now, out of the draft. So, um, let's stick with Duncan McGuire real quick. Um, what? Why do you think he's been so effective for us at the number nine? What? What has been the reason for his success, in your opinion? I think it's actually a pretty simple formula, which it kind of needs to be for him to have such immediate success. He is, I mean, at his core, a very, very, very high effort player and a plus athlete. So those two combined, he's going to just 
keep moving all the time and he's always going to find himself in good positions just because he never stops moving and all that effort is going to give him opportunities and his finishing skill is very very high he he is a consistent finisher when he gets opportunities and he he has the ability to complete some pretty difficult finishes as well and he does it in all styles he he can shoot long range he can shoot in the box he can use his head he can do some like tricky finesse finishes he can do the physical hold off a defender half a yard of space finish so his finishing skill combined with his effort and athleticism is a pretty solid formula for a striker who just scores goals yeah i think um the thing i like that you said there was that he never stops moving uh, his his movement is just uh, I think it's one of the best in the league, really, honestly. Like, j- just getting into really good spaces in the box to tap home a goal. And it's like all his goals are tap-ins, right? He, he's, the, he's the tap-in merchant. If you really look at them, you know, he's got, uh, like, goals where there's a deflected cross and he just toe-pokes it past the goalkeeper. Well, how did he get in that position? He created that space, ran into it, and then when the ball fell his way, he he's really, really a strong finisher. And just so many goals this season of his, it's just his movement that created the goal. And he's being very effective in front of net, to say the least. So much so that it was a shock um, the other day when... He was in front of goal. I think it was against Santos Laguna. He was offsides, but he hit the post for a sitter when I think everyone in the stadium thought that was going in, even if he did end up being offsides or there was an offside in the buildup. I can't remember exactly. Um, it was a shock because he's just been so clinical. So, yeah, I've been a real big fan of Duncan McGuire's uh, season for us so far. Uh, overall, as a whole, we are at... Uh, in MLS, 10 wins, 7 draws, and 6 losses, landing us currently in 5th place in the East after 23 matches played. Uh, 1 point over Columbus on the same amount of games played, 1 point behind Nashville, and we are uh, 1 less game played than Nashville. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at, very... Um, Middle of the playoff pack, which is pretty standard Oscar Pereja uh, season now that we've kind of turned things around. I guess what have your thoughts been on the season as a whole, since obviously we haven't talked about any specific games? Yeah, I think that it's finding yourself in this position, I think is pretty, you know, par for the course for Oscar Pereja, but he kind of did it backwards this time. Usually, um, you know, because of the high effort and ha- and kind of the the basic play style, I think his teams tend tend to start off faster and kind of build up some points at the beginning of the season and then hit a lull. But we did it the opposite way, uh, just because you know couldn't buy a goal until about halfway through the season, and then Duncan lights it on fire, and kind of everyone knows the rest of the story. Um, it's. I think I think we're we're actually in a pretty good position to push for a home playoff game, only two points out of third place, and no one in the East other than Cincinnati obviously looks like unbeatable. Uh, I think you know there's a good chance that if and, and we're in stellar form right now in the league, of course, given the the league's cut break that kind of goes out the window a little bit, but it's better to be in good form than bad. So I, th- I think we're in a pretty good position to make that push to get get uh, basically get on the right foot heading into the playoffs, which is what we need to be because honestly, this might be the last time in a while where we can realistically push for major silverware. Yeah, um, I agree that we've been opposite, and sometimes it's good to enter the end stages of the season in good form how many times well it feels like every time under oscar Pereira, we've 
entered the playoffs in kind of iffy form. Even his first season, I think, Adam, we were at that game together as a, as a whole crew. We went to the Nashville game, and it, yes, that, we that lost yeah. right before the playoffs, and it was our first home loss of the season. And that and was, so we were, I, weren't we winning till like, the 70th minute in that game? Yep, then, yep, yeah. they came back. Yeah. You were right, yep. So, so that one, we went into the end of the season in, in shaky form. Uh, the next season, we finished... In fifth, I want to say, and we we finished that season in shaky form, and then the last two seasons we've only got in on decision day, so it's, I mean it's we've been closing out seasons in um, poor form, and if the trend continues this season, we could be entering the end of the season in strong form, and I agree that. It's been backwards, it's been flipped, and we've just been we've been very competitive in all of our matches for the last, I don't know, 10, 11 matches, except for that RSL match, but I think that was we were we were competitive until we weren't in that match, from what I remember. We were competitive. They got a couple of set piece goals, and then we just kind of I, I feel I think the guys just gave up honestly, and two more goals went in that shouldn't have. I think that's probably the biggest weakness of this team. Is is I mean they they have a solid counter punch. We've seen them go down one goal and then score in the next ten minutes after the goal to kind of level it back. They're very good at that. If they trail for too long, I see. I don't think we have. Maybe not necessarily not the offensive firepower, but we don't have the offensive game plan to break down a more set defense like you face then. Especially a team like RSL, it's super, super solid in defense and midfield. Um, and those are the types of teams you play in the playoffs. If if you know we get punched, we get punched twice, that's generally the end for this team, I feel like. Um, if they don't have a counter punch right back. Yeah, I I think you're right. There's not too many instances where we've been down for a while. Because what was that game we came back after being 2-0 down? Was that the Columbus game? I think we hit back pretty early in the yeah, end like, of the first half or the beginning of the second half. We need the game half. to be back and forth for us to have a chance at coming back rather than, you know, either that or just a miracle at the end. But there's, I don't think we've seen from this team this season, like, a methodical get back into the game, score another a goal twenty minutes later, and then another goal in like the 80th, and then you know see it out kind of thing. That that's not their game. Yeah, and I think part of that comes down to you had made a comment as you were talking that like it's not just the attacking firepower, but like our attackers aren't ones that really create for themselves, really. It's almost like the system creates chances, but we don't have the players who can just go one on one, take on a man, get past two players, and then pop the ball in the net. I like so, none so of our players have, do that. We have all of those all all of those skills on the team. They just exist in different players. Yeah, and and there isn't okay. any like, one player times, that does it. How many times have you seen Angulo beat like three defenders and then just? Shank the not ball. know what to do in in the box. Yep, Angulo is really good at that. He's really good at beating two, three players, and then the the final product isn't there. But then, Facundo Torres, you know, there are plenty of times where he's one on one with the player and he can't beat him properly. But he's all final product. But he he has great final product, and it's so it's like if you could just merge the two, you have a. You have an all-star right there. <laughs> I mean, if you merge the two, they're not playing for Orlando City, I'll tell you. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure and how we got it, down this road. Go and ahead. Then, uh, another thing is, on Duncan McGuire, you know, of all the praises that are rightfully heaped on him, he's super impressive, especially for a rookie. Man can't go 90. It, it, it is, he's not being taken off every single game at like the 65th or 70th minute because we have striker depth, he's being taken off because he runs himself to death. 
So, yeah. And I'm sure he's being I, asked just, to do that. And, and well, I don't, I don't think he is because Poppy's made comments like Duncan needs to learn how to control his energy more smartly. He, he's literally said that to the media. He's like, yeah, this, this guy's great. He's an amazing talent. He's great. High effort. Love him. He runs himself to death. And Ramiro Enrique's, you know, decent. Erjan Cara's decent player, right? We're not saying they're bad players. They're not as effective in front of goal as Duncan McGuire. And, you know, when you're chasing a game, you want to have your best striker on. And our best striker can't go 90. Or if he does, he looks like a shell of himself past like the 70th minute. Yep, I agree. So he needs to build that athleticism for a full match. Um, and because... he, needs, he needs to be smarter about when he makes his runs because his engine's always on. He needs to be smarter. I agree. But like, I don't want him to be too much smarter. Part of what makes Duncan so effective for us as a as a team and why he's our best striker isn't just the goals. It's the pressing. It's the running after every ball in the air. One thing that's always frustrated frustrated me about Kara is if the ball's not within like a two yard radius of him, he's not chasing it down. He's not providing any pressure. And that just allows the defense to get the ball so easily. And sometimes when the ball is cleared out, you need your striker to go pressure that ball. And then that knockdown comes to your team and you can get possession and and just take a breather and take the pressure off of you and allows the game to be a back and forth flow and not just, oh, here comes another attack and we start to get deeper and deeper into our half. And so I I, uh, agree that... I like half agree that he needs to learn to manage it. But personally, I think he needs to learn to manage it and he needs to up his athleticism so that he can last longer at the same engine rate or slightly lower engine rate. The the other problem is, like you said, that his, his backups at this point is what they are don't do the same things as him. And and the things that he does with his engine is what makes him great. Enrique, I think, has some similar traits as far as effort goes, but he's tiny. And Erchankara is big and can scare defenders and make nice finishes, but doesn't have the same engine or athleticism. So, it, it, again, at the end of games, right, past 65, 70 minutes, we have to take Duncan McGuire off at this point. And that... You know, if we're not already controlling the game, which we usually are, thanks to Duncan, you know, and his insane scoring record. But if we're not controlling the game by that point, that becomes difficult to put on a lesser striker and then break down defenses. Yep, that's fair. Um, Okay, let's do this. Anything else you want to say on the season as a whole? Anything you want to call out? Top of mind. Uh, yes, uh, Cesar Rujo. He's our Hit me best. With it. I think he's our best player. I think he's he's better than Faku. He's better than Duncan. Better than Golese. Better than AC and Janssen. I I mean, look at I. He almost yeah. You know, it and we're gonna talk about the Miami game, right? Yes. He almost beat Messi. And it was because of him, I think, that we were in that game in the first place. And, and I mean, he had he had Busquets' number. He's that good. Yeah, he was he he's been fantastic all season. And um, he started scoring now. Yeah, out of nowhere. <laughs> Just you know, he almost had two goals in that game. And and here's why: because while you're calling out Cesar Ararujo. I've been extremely. I, I agree. He's our best player in the whole in the squad. He's our he's he's our most impactful in the um, starting eleven. So that would be be best player in my opinion. Um, but he's scoring more because of Wilder Cartagena um, being being his double pivot partner instead of Pereira. I've been extremely impressed with Cartagena and I I don't want him to lose his starting spot to Urso when uh Urso uh gets fully integrated into the squad and healthy. And yeah, I did I see a quote 
Yeah, I, I, I did see a quote that um, Oscar said that he has to earn his starting spot back. I, I mean, Cartagena is, from what I remember from Urso, I, I would prefer Cartagena in this form to be starting instead of Urso last season's form because he has the defensive um, positioning and tackling and just everything defensive that uh, we associate with Urso and just being that kind of player that can help defensively. But then offensively, he is really good at getting the ball, turning and finding a pass up the field, getting the ball and driving with it a little bit and getting us up the field. He is, he just, he exemplifies, um, Oh, what, what's the term I'm thinking of? Um, progressive passes. That's what it is. He exemplifies progressive passing. And so just, He's been such a such a good key addition to the squad. Uh, really good scouting there, and I don't. I, I I think he has allowed Cesar Araujo to to blossom next to him. Oh, absolutely! Because Cartagena is an insane defender too. Yeah, uh, he's. I mean, he he drops in and he plays the third center back when we're pushing the fullbacks up high. He's that good of a defender, um, and allows uh, Araujo to come in and and join the attack almost like Urso used to. Uh, I personally think Urso should, I don't know if he will, should rotate more with Mauricio Pereira. Um, give him well, some more rest. That's kind and, of how we saw him at the end of last season, right? Yeah. And, and you know, kind of have kind of have the old, you know, technical guys go, you know, flip-flop with each other so they can just, you know, play with their hair on fire when, when they do get on the pitch. Um, and, and Another thing is we have to find some more minutes for Martino Heda. Man, he's a player. He's really good. He's got his um, what's he got? Twelve goal tr- contributions or something? Something like that. He's, yeah, he's yeah, he's killing in, it. in very limited minutes. Like his his per ninety and Duncan's per ninety goal contributions are both like at the top of the league. Yeah, I'm gonna have That's a hot take. I'm I'm gonna have a hot take here, but I personally think Ojeda should be starting in the Faku role. And I think we would see a little bit more uh, output from that role than we are currently seeing uh, if Ojeda was there. The reason he's not starting, I think, is the defensive contribution that Faku brings. But I think if Ojeda was given that role week in, week out, we, we could see some really, really good numbers from him. So I, I agree Ojeda should be starting, obviously. I don't think it should be for Faku. I don't think it should be for Angulo, though I would prefer Ojeda over Angulo just because of offensive production. Which mm, I, is, I, I I understand Angulo is very important to build up. He's extremely important to build up. And Angulo held for off Santos, which is why I wouldn't bench Angulo. You have to bench the captain. It, it, and that's the trouble. Uh, he's the captain. He, but Mauricio Pereira is the is the player that should be coming off, and it it does limit Araujo a bit because he ha- he would have to have more defensive responsibility. But if you have Faku in the middle, I think Faku's so much better coming through the middle because teams can't sit on his his left footed version. That they have to contend with him going both ways, which makes it easier for him to take on players and then get end product. He's, I, I think, much more effective when he when he has free range to go middle and then up to the left because he puts in a damn good cross when he goes up the left side too. Um, so I would want Faku with more freedom through the middle, and Martino Heda is much better in that right sided support role, I think, than Faku is because he's just more of a a a guy that's okay with taking on a guy and just ripping a shot. Um, you know, the second he gets in it, Faku kind of likes to settle himself a little more. And mm-hmm. Ojeda's, Ojeda's a little better with the combo play, I think. Whereas Faku will try and, you know, hit that perfect ball to unlock the defense. Yeah, the one thing that's burned in my mind with Faku this season is the Atlanta match. I mean, if you rewatch that match, Faku was one-on-one with Atlanta's left back 
maybe 10 to 15 times. Like, it, I'm not even, I feel like I'm not exaggerating. Like, it happens so often in the match. And he had nothing to, to show for it. And you, you can't just, a player of his talent shouldn't be one-on-one that many times and, and not do anything with it. So that tells me that we need to get him in a different position where he can impact the game because that's not, I, I and it, that's not just a one game thing. I think we've seen that consistently through his time. Whenever he's one-on-one on the right side, it just doesn't really ever turn into what you would expect it to turn into, which is a really good chance for us. It's just for, for one reason or another, it just never does. And so I, I agree. I like him down the middle more than on the right. Um, I didn't think of benching Pereira um, if I was doing the swap. It, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Um, I feel like we've seen it a little bit this season and it hasn't worked for one reason or another. But if it was given consistent game time, maybe it could work. Um, I think the most recent Pereira had like a little knock a few weeks ago. It was like during the um, our spell of good form. The most recent time Ojeda has gotten a few starting matches he's produced. Oh yeah, the dude produces. He gets goals. Like he's done. He's done that all his career. I just can't believe we're not starting him. I, yeah, I feel like the most recent iteration of Ojeda plus Paku has produced. It just took a minute. Yeah. All right. Let's um move on here. Uh, good synopsis of our thoughts on the season. There. Let's just not try to spend too much time on this. Uh, too many emotions for me. Um. <laughs> Uh, Miami three, Orlando City one. Um, I won't lie, going into the match, uh, and anyone who listens to MLS Now podcast, we've been doing a uh, a league's cup date uh, where we've been doing uh, an episode every single day um, on league's cup. And I was and uh, my co-host Russell asked me, you know, my thoughts on the match, uh, Orlando City versus Miami, because it's gonna be a big match, and. Uh, the one thing I said is it benefits the the competition for Messi to be in it. You know, <laughs> it is a benefit to the competition for Messi to stay in it. So the way I worded it is Orlando City, if they're going to win this match, are probably going to have to deal with some um, some things more than just Messi's brilliance. And boy, was I right. Unfortunately, uh, it just... I don't know. How would you how would you sum up your thoughts on on the 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 Miami match on Wednesday? Um match fixing is what it is. If not direct cuz we also had the, the referee was Ivan Barton who did the infamous Nations League final between U.S. and Mexico that resulted in a, a, like what like four or five red cards I think by the end of that game. Um, so I think so, yeah. That spectacularly bad referee. I don't know because I can't know for sure if someone said, "Hey, we're in the knockout stages. We need Messi to go at least a few of them. He can't lose tonight." I don't know if that conversation was had. What I do know is that Kamal Miller was traded to Inter Miami for two players that were not as good as Kamal Miller, plus Montreal gave Miami a bunch of allocation money. What yeah, I, I think know, I think we can all say that trade was the league preparing for uh, what was to come this window. Yes. What I do know is that Miami, out of nowhere has apparently all the allocation and the money in the world to be able to buy down their previous DPs. Atlanta's paying more than half of Joseph Martinez's salary. And they have Jordi Alba on a TAM deal, apparently, or and or they, they have four DPs on their roster and or someone's not counting as a DP. And they, they're just getting allocation money out the ass and able to buy down whoever they want. Um, I do know... That that Gavin is absolutely correct in that it benefits the league to have Messi in in this competition as long as possible. 
I do know that literally MLS's Twitter bio, bio says the GOAT plays here. I do know that on the Apple TV, um, when you go to the MLS tab, the first thing you see is a giant banner of Messi and all Messi's highlight videos and everything inter Miami before you get to anything else. I do know that Apple TV literally paid Messi a percentage of subscriptions to MLS, the MLS season pass, to come here. You think they're going to let us knock him out in the first knockout game? It was just never going to happen. It was just never going to happen. Because Orlando would have won that game with a fair ref. I'm not saying we were necessarily the better team the first half, because I don't think we were. But Messi should have had a red card, and Busquets should have had a red card. And that's that's just how it is. In the same play. Messi had three different fouls that could have been yellow. The one, so he actually had a a foul a bit before the the first yellow. He actually got that. It was like, what the fuck? Well, that that's a yellow, right? That oh, whatever. It's messy. And then he did something again. You know, a couple minutes later, and got the yellow he deserved. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then he just elbows Cesarujo off the ball, which is a yellow card. That's not subjective. That is in, you know, an off-ball foul of that nature is a yellow. It always has been and always will be, except for Messi, apparently. And then Busquets puts his his hands around Kyle Smith's neck in anger, which is an automatic red. Literally, this ref has given a red in that infamous Nations League final for to Weston McKinney for, for the same reason. This ref gave that red. He was looking straight at it. Like Count Smith that gets the yellow. And then Duncan McGuire also ends up with the yellow in that sequence. And then right after halftime, it, that's not a penalty. It's never a penalty. It, 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 was, you know, it was a little too close. Messi's on a yellow Busquets. Busquets probably can't get away with much more, right? They're like, all right, we just got to hand this game to Miami, make Orlando chase it, right? Because Miami had a bunch of possession already. And we were doing, we, we were doing well getting it. Almost equivalent chances, I think. I think they only outshot us by one. I think it was like 12 to 11. And so they were like, okay, this game is way too close. First chance we get, we're giving them a penalty. And that's exactly what happened. Yes, AC gets a tiny, tiny tug, right? Uh, is and it even a tug? I feel it, like he his his hand just makes his contact. Contacted, <laughs> right? His hand contacted, and the jersey like flutters a little, right? That's what it is. That's not a penalty. I've never seen that given. I, I I've seen it's a dive. A, I've seen a yellow given the opposite way for simulation before. On that, it, it's just super super obvious that the game was too close, and someone radioed in. You know, Messi can't lose here. We have too much money riding on this. Follow the fucking money, y'all. And if I sound like a conspiracy theorist, I think I think to assert otherwise is ignorant. I think that if you follow all the money here and see what benefits the people who have invested the most money in this, it is obvious that that there were instructions. If the game's too close, make it not close. The only way we were ever going to win is if we just straight up blew them out, right? If they like if we scored five goals and right and they couldn't get anything going and it was just way, way, five way non-controversial goals right? that the refs yeah. couldn't step in on. It, yeah, it was just like way beyond the the scope of like, you know, because the ref can probably influence like two or three goals, right? Difference, right? We'd have to probably have honestly won by five to actually win that game. That that's just how it was gonna be. It would have had to have been like indisputable, like, you know what? I can't help you here, right? I can't just obviously I yeah, you know, can't do that. And and then Orlando players were getting yellow cards for everything. And then uh uh Arroyo, their their D mid, uh, was apparently able to go studs up into Caesar and not not even have it be a foul, let alone a, 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 or no, it was a foul, but not a yellow card. And then, you know, had a couple other hard fouls. He, he honestly, with a fair ref, also would have been sent off for the studs up yellow plus persistent infringement. 
uh, had it been called fairly, but you know, that that's kind of the least of concerns here. It's a sham, is what it is. And, and to finish my rant, this game, yes, the the worst refereeing job I've ever seen in my life, to the point where I think it was corrupt. I think I I, I feel heartbroken about it honestly because i feel lied to it i think a beautiful thing about sports is that you don't know who's going to win when when the game starts and and that's what makes winning so exciting when your team does the thing you're like fuck yeah we did that right i didn't know that was going to happen but it did and it was awesome and and i have to feel and, and that yeah probably miami fans don't care Probably the messy stands don't care because a it's new and b it's over Orlando and whatever. They probably don't care now, but I imagine if it continues on like this, it's going to get old at some point. Where every time there's a close game, you know, a few calls go their way, and, and people are going to start raising some more eyebrows and say, "Is that is this soccer or is this wrestling?" Right? Is and the way the broadcasters keep saying, you know, oh, it's going perfectly to the script, right? That's not yeah. what sports is about. Sports is about is is supposed to be the ultimate meritocracy. The the best the team who plays the best on the field wins. It's not about the names on the back of the jerseys, it's about the actions and, and that that occur on the field to help your team win. And if that if that's not present, then I feel like almost I text I texted Gavin at, at halftime. I said the rest of this game is null and void based on what happened. Because it's it's not the two teams competing on the field are not the most important factors. So I almost feel like the next couple of years that Messi's gonna be an MLS to me are almost null and void. Is how I feel. Because yeah. If you can't have an honest competition, then there is no competition. It's a show. It's a show with a predetermined outcome and script that even if you don't necessarily know for sure the ending, there is one already written. And we can, we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to be. Yeah, really well said, really eloquently put. I agree with some of it. I disagree with some of it. But at the end of the day, this referee's performance crossed the line between difference of opinion and difference of um, interpretation of the laws and the actions and, and how those two coexist to either this guy is um, inadequate to be a ref because he doesn't understand the laws of the game or it's it was chosen to be this way. It was chosen to not call fouls on the moneymaker. And <laughs> we're not stupid, you know? We can put two and two together. This guy's not an idiot. You know, he's a smart guy. He has gotten this far in the refereeing um, pyramid for a reason. Only the best of the best make it to to some of the matches that he's refereed. And... You know, it's it's hard to not just jump straight to corruption because you look at it and, and that's the that's the easiest answer. And it's the most obvious answer. And I think it was really well said to say if you if you think the opposite, then it's just it's most likely ignorance. And so follow the money. It just makes too much sense. Too much sense. I I, I said it before the match. That's how obvious it was that something like this was potentially going to happen. And then it played out. It did. It, it, oh, I could go on and on. But yeah, like literally. So I was at uh, I was at Broken Strings the day before the match. And I was scheduling some more food truck dates there um, for Orlando City matches. And I was talking with Charles, the owner of Broken Strings. And he's like, well, I don't know what's happening. In the I'm like, we're not winning tonight. Or tomorrow. I'm like, we're not winning this game. I, I knew in my heart 
that there was no chance we were beating Miami, even though I, I thought we had a, an okay, you know, chance to match up with them on paper, particularly with our midfield. I knew there was no chance we were, we were going to play another league's cup game. So we didn't Which is even crazy. Bother. We didn't even we, bother with that schedule. We, we, I feel like a lot of Orlando city fans felt that way. I definitely felt that way. I even predicted Miami to win. And when I did the bracket challenge, and yet it still hurt so bad when it happened because watching the injustice happen before our very eyes was just so painful. Putting the referees aside, absolutely. I think our performance warranted at least a competitive match. And at the end of the game, it wasn't competitive because of the uh, refereeing decisions that happened. Uh, the penalty changed everything. Goals changed games, yada, yada. Um, I think... If this match stays 1-1, it could very well be a different game because, yes, Miami were possessing the ball a lot out of halftime, but we were also starting to win it back right before the penalty and starting to look, you know, like we were going to have some transition opportunities against them. Miami also had a bunch of empty possession. Yeah, so much. A lot of their possession was kicking around their back four. They They weren't threatening us. Every time Busquets got the ball, Arujo was right in his face. And every time Messi got the ball, we had two defenders on him. And so they, they had a lot of kick it back, recycle it, try and get it to Messi again. The, the lone um, Inter-Miami player that I think had success outside of Messi and Busquets was Robert Taylor. Credit to him. I'm not taking anything away from Robert Taylor. It had an amazing game. An incredible game has turned on a switch since Messi got there that who knows where it was before. Robert Taylor absolutely deserves any accolades thrown his way. He's He played an incredible game, right? He was the only one. Yep. He was the only one other than Messi that was creating chances for them. That, that was it. It was a ton of just super empty back passes and side-to-side shuffling. That we are content we, letting them have because you know we were we're not taking a guy off of Messi to defend Kamal Miller. They had a bunch of empty possession. They passed the ball in behind once, and then we our our center back touches their striker who dives and just either the referee got insanely conned, but then VAR should tell him, you know, it's not a penalty, and then I guess VAR didn't tell him, which just leads to the. Back to the referees. I don't know. So let's get into um, anything else you want to say on the match? Or do you want to get into these questions? On, on VAR, we didn't touch on that really. Uh, did you realize, because I didn't, did you did you know that VAR was actually, like the monitor was in effect for this tournament until Caesar's second goal was disallowed? Uh, that was the first time it was used? I thought it was used yeah, that's before the, that. That's the first time I saw it used in one of our games. In our games, yes. Yes. Or in, our games. in any of the games that I watched. There's in all the games that I watched, all the VAR checks were just done by the VAR, and then the answer was told to the center ref. And sometimes the decisions were reversed, but I hadn't seen a center ref go to the monitor up until that point. I think I've seen the ref go to the monitor one or two times, um, but it's been very sporadic. It's been off and on. It's been weird. Um, it's been inconsistent. So... Uh, very, very weird, just all the way around. Um, all right, let's get into these questions. On Wednesday, we asked for, uh, some listener questions. Can't say thank you enough to all of our listeners out there. Let's get into these. Uh, first one, I think we touched on this, um, at MCFC Tommy. How ironic is it that our best team has two DPs on the bench? I I, th- I think we uh, we kind of said we don't necessarily agree that this is our best possible team, um, and also Gavin and I are notably on the record about the fact that we're not necessarily the most pleased with how Urchankara fits into this team because we don't need to go down that rabbit hole again. So, I mean, but I think both of us would like to see more of Ojeda. Kind of just is what it is. I think the analysis is there and sound. And certainly Prayer and Angulo have both who who would be either either the one of the ones I think the Sabat for Ojeda. I don't think Faku is realistically ever taking a seat while he wears an Orlando City uniform. Um, 
you know, I, I think that they both have had great seasons, um, especially for their pay grade. And, you know, I don't think either of them necessarily deserve to be benched. And But I also don't think that them performing is super unexpected. I think they were both, you know, rated pretty pretty fairly coming into the year of, the, of guys who deserve starting spots. So, um, yeah. Yeah, kind of ironic that we're, we're having some success with DPs on the bench. But, you know, we're getting really good production out of Ojeda still. And Kara is Kara and Kara. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a little bit of poor squad building because think about what we could do if we had a different DP out there. You know, we have three of those slots where we can spend as much money as we want and, and get some real high quality players. So let's play if you a have those. Here. If you have those Let's slots, you want to do something. Semi-realistic, right? Who's the player out there? And I'm going to give my answer because I want to give you like a parameter, like a, a zone to, to, to hit for. I kind of would love, you know, say say we offload our Shankar and free up that DP spot. I I would kind of love to see Serginio Dest on, on the right, as right back for Orlando City. I feel like that would be so fun. That would be pretty fun. Yep, uh, I think that would be pretty fun. Um, I wouldn't like that we're using a DP on a right back, but that'd be but, you know but it would fun be, to do. That would be yeah. the right back to use it on. <laughs> yeah, um, I would use it on an attacking midfielder. I would use it on a Reynoso type player who can create for us, score for us, um, and you know cause issues through the middle of the field. See, my pause with that is we already have two DP slots allocated to the attacking midfield. Uh, and who's the other one? Torres. Ojeda and Torres. I mean... Oh, I, Ojeda's more of a, a last line. He's he, he, he he's is, the, he's he, the last line. He's the scorer. He's the assister. Still gonna have... He's still in that line of three on the team sheet. And you still that that's a place that's got to be allocated for, right? I, I think putting all three of your DPs on that line is ignoring a guy like Yvonne Angulo that can give you good starting minutes for not DP money, because you 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 have to bench Angulo at that point or Pereira, and that's your captain. And and that's another yeah. thing is there seems to be an unwillingness to take Pereira off the pitch when he's healthy. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's fair with the players we have. If Faku stays next season, I think Faku does stay. I think so too. Because I think the longer he goes without developing more consistency on his right foot, the less he attractive he becomes to European teams. Yeah, he needs to speed up his game too. Just just a little bit. If he wants to attract European teams, he needs to he needs to get a little faster yeah. on the ball. I, like I think he says he likes to settle yeah. it. This offseason, uh, particularly if he's going to train with like some higher tier Uruguayan guys um, from the national team, which I think would be a great idea for him to do, he needs to level up his game. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's get into the next question. We spent a lot of time on that one. Uh, Daniel Cluley, at Daniel Cluley, uh, the wielder beast. And his impact in midfield after the switch to double pivot and solid de- defensive midfield is changing our results. I think we hit on that earlier, uh, and I think we both agree that uh, Cartagena has been a huge impact to our team, and him coming into the midfield has kind of been a a point, a line in the sand as to when our our season started to turn around i agree and, and you and i have is one of the well we have a growing list of, of soccer ideas we agree on but that if you control the midfield you can control the game and i mean he is he's a beast at, at controlling the midfield that's that's what he does he doesn't contribute the most offensively going forward but he doesn't have to when you know you're you're shut down defensively, and when you're you're 
passing combinations are that solid, it's he's a, a very viable player to have. Yeah, on the ball, he's great too, I think. Um, I love his passing. I really do. Um, <laughs> Alex, uh, our friend Alex at Fresco Esco says, no question, I think Messi is a fascist. <laughs> In relation to uh, the game we play, we play um, Secret Hitler a lot. No, we're saying that on air. <laughs> we're saying it on air. Messi is it's, a fascist. Okay, it, it, it is a board game. And um, we, we play with enough Jews in the room, myself included, that it's okay. I did respond and I said he's definitely a little sus being from Argentina and all. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, first, first episode back after hiatus. We're getting canceled. Thank you, everyone. It was a good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, Michael at M69069M. Do you think we have overachieved or underachieved this year? Um, neither. Is that not an option? He said over or under. But the first thing that popped into my head is we've achieved. We have achieved. <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I will say under. Because of, and, and, you know, putting the League's Cup fiasco aside, um, which I think we actually have performed decently. And the the boys played well in League's Cup. That's what I'll say about the team. And Oscar coached well in the League's Cup. Oscar Perea teams generally perform well in the Cup competitions. As defending champions of Open Cup, we got knocked out in match one. So I would say that, for me, thus far, pushes the needle to underachieved. Now, we can be achieving or overachieving. I, I mean, I would honestly answer we're about at expectations. But um, we're going to make the playoffs, and that's a cup competition. So let's go, Oscar. Yeah, I'm. as I was thinking about it um, before you started talking, I was also thinking underachieved because of the Open Cup and the disappointment of that match that we lost. Really shouldn't have lost it. We should have We should have won that match. Um, we played horribly, though. But Open Cup disappointment. Uh, League's Cup was um, a step in the right direction in terms of possession, uh, performances. And I, will, I won't forget that Santos Laguna win. That was an amazing game. Uh, to be at it was very fun to watch and just the last minute winner was uh so so amazing but under because going into the season i think a lot of us as fans and a lot of the media thought that orlando city were primed to take the next step to the uh, top three in the east and we haven't done that and i think those were fair expectations based on the off season we had based on the players that we have and what we're doing is working now, and I think we are playing at a top three in the East level, but we haven't been doing that all season. And so I would agree with that. I would say I, we're a solid third in form these. Obviously, Cincy, and then I'd still put New England above us. But I think I think I think if we played Philly on a neutral site today, I would say we should be favorites. We should have I mean, we should have had six points against Philly if not for uh, a soft call. Um, to take away our, our third goal, right? And then the absolute banger for Martinez. And then Thank we goodness. beat him away. I, so, I, I had such a good view of both of those, the, the Erjan Power run and the Jose Martinez goal. And I kind of wish I didn't because that yeah. was hard. <laughs> yeah, that was a frustrating match as well. Okay, yeah. So um, I, I think underachieved is fair, but uh, slightly. It's not like we're bottom of the league or anything. And then at MTBH12, longtime listener, how likely do you feel everything is on the straight and narrow as an equal to what everybody else in MLS has to go with versus Miami? Oh my gosh, what does that mean? <laughs> Sorry. How likely do you feel everything is on the straight and narrow as an equal to what everybody else in MLS has to go with versus Miami? Who do you think 
Okay, that's a separate question. So let's start with that first one. What do you think they mean by that? I I think that's basically asking, is Miami getting special treatment? And the answer is yes. Yes, okay. So we'll we'll say that, I, yeah. Uh, who do you think stock has gone up the most recently for Orlando? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Cartagena. I think I think both midfielders. Aruba and Cartagena. That would be my answer. Uh, I think so as well. Duncan, maybe. But um, oh, and, and uh, our our favorite name to pronounce, Rafael Santos. Yes, that was the other name that came to mind. Started the season um a bit worryingly, but he has been such a breath of fresh air. Uh, his crossing is just insane. One of the best I've ever seen ever premier league um la liga anything his his crossing ability is top top notch if, if you and i haven't played fifa in a bit so i don't know uh, what his stats are like i imagine that just the ball striking stats are like 95 and all the other stats are like in the 60s it, probably yes but like his crossing is just absolutely insane. And then his speed is like a, like an 82 or something, right? Yeah. Like if if Juan, like like think about this for a second. If Juan was like 25% as good of as a crosser as Santos is, Juan would have had like 20 assists a season. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you get Javier Santos in the positions Juan got himself into, He's getting like one or two assists a game automatically. Yeah, just he's so good. Um, yeah, so those those are some good answers. And then this is a good question as well. Changes when Gaston or Halliday uh, return from injury. Probably Mikey gets a fair shot to win right back back. I think um, I think Gaston stays on the bench, and it'll get subbed in. He'll get minutes, but I don't think he'll start. Um, Kyle Smith is who he is, and that will never change. He'll be decent to solid against most MLS competition, but when he faces talent, like he did against Miami, man shows his whole entire ass. Just it, When he gets outclassed, it looks bad. And Halliday, he's young. But he's got talent, and he has shown the ability to go against talent in his admittedly very young career, uh, especially a young career as a player legitimately tasked with being a starter. So I, I don't know. I don't know if our Oscar wants to shake up right back necessarily at this point in the season, but I personally would give Halliday if not every opportunity, at least a solid opportunity to win that job back. Yeah, I do feel vindicated that I thought Smith could be starting quality in MLS. I will say that because I think he is a starting quality if you want to, you know, invest funds elsewhere. But I'll, I'll just leave. He, us, I'll just leave. Us he is, but he's I mean, tell me he's not the obvious weak link in the 11 because he is. I mean, yeah, but he's also not ruining games for us on on the daily, on the weekly. No, and that's yeah. why I'm not saying Mikey should just walk back into the 11, because he shouldn't. Yeah. Smith has at least earned the right to for it to be a competition, but Mikey should get a fair shake in that competition. Yeah, agree. All right, well, we've gone longer than I thought we would. Um, thank you all so much for the questions. As always, thank you for listening. Our apologies for not um, putting out content more regularly. Just like I said, we've been really busy um and for the first half of the season there in my opinion there wasn't much to talk about what was new what there was nothing to that we could bring to the table that we hadn't said 10 times already about the team so um i think that was a contributing factor as well but glad we got something new to talk about and uh hopefully we'll have a more slightly more regular schedule uh as we close out the season here over the next few months Adam, any uh, final thoughts? Yes. Um, so the next time, no, not the next time, but the next time Orlando City's at home, uh, right? Because we're on the road against Chicago when we play them, right? I think we're home against St. Louis next. 
Yes, we are home against St. Louis on August 26th. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, and if you are going to be at that game, you can get Cappy subs inside Exploria Stadium during an Orlando City game. We'll have a cart, I think, on the east side. Still don't quote me on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, come. I'll be there. Come see me. Get a cheesesteak or a Cuban. And, um, yeah, I'm excited and nervous at the same time about doing that. Uh, but, yeah, it, working with the club has been awesome so far. Um, everyone that I've talked to has been super helpful and welcoming, and it really is a dream come true uh, to be able to work with Orlando City in a professional capacity. Um, so, yeah, Cappy's in the stadium August 26th, the first match. I don't have any more scheduled at this point in time, but um, I assume after that first match we will then get with the uh, the food and bev people there and uh, schedule one or two more uh, for the end of the season. And then, um, you know, if all goes well, we'll be back next season too. So happy for you, man. So excited. Uh, definitely going to come over there and get some food for me and um, anyone who's with me on that on the game day. Uh, just well-deserved and really hope that it goes well. And I, I, I think it will. Um, we'll I, we'll I have to have, do... I feel like I have to warn people, due to the nature of the contract, we do have to charge stadium prices. I'm sorry in advance. Kind of out of my hands on that one. Yeah. Uh, but... It is what it is, right? That's the industry. Um, but just we'll have to do an episode of what the process was like and share what is shareable um, just to kind of give some behind the scenes insights that you have that a lot of people don't uh, usually get when it comes to uh, operations um, for a soccer match. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially uh, I'm going to be learning on the fly, too. So, uh, but yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to, I, I think we should do that, that probably after I do the first game. Um, but yeah, I'd love to share my experience with, uh, with y'all and kind of take, take everyone on the journey with me. Definitely. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks so much, Adam, for, um, finally podcasting with me. I know we've been trying to over the last few weeks and just hasn't worked out, um, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll get on a regular cadence soon. All right. Well, yeah. Adam, where can our listeners find you at? You can find me on um, X. <laughs> this is just <laughs> fucking weird. Mm-hmm. At uh, Kosher Taco Truck uh, or uh, the the Cappy's Food Truck at Cappy's Food Truck on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah. Whereas you can. Follow me doing my stuff. I don't post that much anymore because I work too much now. And and everyone agrees too much nowadays. I'm going to say that. Okay. Y'all need to. Y'all need to. Okay. The last bad take I saw was. was I forget who. But someone said Cesar Arujo wasn't good going forward with progressive passing. Um, that was like a month or two ago. And, but other than that, like the takes have been. I guess like Elon's like breaking us up on Twitter too now. So I guess I don't see everything anymore. Takes have been way too sensible that I haven't gotten in nearly as many arguments lately. So y'all need to be more stupid. I think we can, uh, we can find some idiots out there for you or you, you're just gonna have to merge over to uh Facebook. Only the city Facebook. Oh, They've oh, got the no, I, I dare not. <laughs> Our friend, uh, our friend Mike uh, on uh, on Lions Den sent me screenshots of um, of Facebook Orlando City group sometimes, and and there's some special people over there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks so much as always for tuning in to Lions Blog Podcast, and. Uh, guess we'll gavin where can i talk to you next time oh line at lines blog one that's right i was like i know i missed something we're get we're we're in preseason form in the middle of the season (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um find me at lines blog one and um as always vamos orlando vamos spins right comes back left maddie shoots oh my